Is everyone warm? That was my question. Yeah? Well, I've got to tell you, being um, reasonably new back here, uh, this week was a real wake-up call for Christine and I. Welcome back to Christchurch. And frost on the windows and everything else that goes with it. Then my car broke down, so that kind of added to it all. Wonderful. The trials and testings of living in Christchurch. Mind you, you would know all about that, having gone through what you've gone through over the last, what, 11 years? That is for sure. We didn't, um, we weren't here for all of that, and I'm very grateful for that. That is for sure. If you've got your Bibles, please turn with uh, me to two scriptures. Uh, Matthew 7, we're still in Matthew. Uh, Matthew 7 through 11, which we'll read very soon. But also, I'd like you to find 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And I will come to you a little later on with respect to 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. So we're starting in Matthew 7, 7 through 11. I've got a question for you, church. How many of you would say that your life is busy? Put your hand up. Come on now. That your life is full. Yep, that's you. Absolutely. That you don't have what we call a lot of disposable time. Would that be true? We could probably all say that by degrees. That is for sure. You know, it's a mystery to me in this incredible age of information technology, cell phones and Facebook and all of those other things, Instagram, Twitter. What, what are the other ones I've missed out? What? Snapchat, Google, all of this stuff, TikTok, all of that stuff, it's all evil, it's all evil. <laughs> it's supposed to make our lives better and less cluttered, but we are more busy now, as far as I am concerned, and more stressed than ever before. Have you noticed this? With all of these wonderful breakthroughs, life is not any less stressful, that is for, for certain. I was reading an article um, uh, this week that said, on this variation, it said, as the pace of life has increased, our sense of peace has decreased. As our productivity goes up, our quality of life goes down. You know, this morning we're going to look at a solution to that. I want to bring us back to a solution in God's word to that very thing, a divine solution, in fact, that is available, by the way, to all humanity, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not. It's this thing called prayer. Let's look at it. We're going to begin at Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11, and then we'll unpack it a bit. It says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Verse 9, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then though you are evil, hold that thought, you evil people. That's what I'm just quoting the word. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Maybe you can identify with this. 
God, I want to pray more. I really want to spend more time praying. But my life is so busy doing whatever. And Lord, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I struggle to find the time. Yeah? Can some of you identify with that? I certainly can. Well, relax. That's probably true for all of us by degree. So here's, here's a few things. What is prayer, church? Simply put, prayer is simply conversation between you and God. That's all it is. It is conversation, just kind of like I'm talking now. It's having a corridor with him between you and him. You know, some people get themselves all tied up in knots over prayer, kind of, how should I pray? What should I pray? Um, well, this one is common. You go to a prayer meeting and you hear some giant prayer warrior over in the corner praying and they, they, they pray these fervent prayers and you're kind of just standing there listening to this and you think, man, I can't pray like that. I mean, God's not going to listen to my pathetic little prayers. I mumble and I stumble and I trip over my words and you kind of get discouraged and you can lose heart. I'm sure some of you can understand that. But church prayer is simply conversation. That's what it is. It's you and God talking. That's it. There is no right or wrong way to pray. In fact, a lot of it is personality driven, the way that we are wired. I don't know about you, but I, um, uh, I, love, I love going out into the, into the, into the bush area and just, just walking and, and enjoying what God has created. I have preached so many sermons to the birds and the possums out there, all on my own, and it just kind of flows for me. Anyone like that? Yeah, there's a number of people. It could be, a, there are a number of other ways that you connect with God at that level. It doesn't have to be like that. It could be, a, could be through poetry, could be through writing music, could be through painting or drawing. There are a whole host of things. God is creative, church. So there's no right or wrong way. But here's the truth. If you look through biblical history, everything that God ever did through his people, that's us, anything that God ever did right throughout biblical history was, was preceded by prayer, sometimes with praise also, but always by prayer. Always. Church, no matter what the situation is, prayer is the one thing that gets God's attention. He's willing to listen. His heart is open towards you. His ears are attentive to what you are wanting to say. So that's what is prayer. But here's the, here's the other point. Why should I pray? Simple answer, because the Bible tells us to. And I think there is a reason for that. And it's all around the spoken word. When we pray, we speak something out. You know that the universe was created through the spoken word. Here's the truth of that. There is power in the spoken word. That's the point. God wants us to speak out whatever it is that is on our heart, whatever it is that is important to us. He's interested in the small things in your life. 
and he's interested in the big things and everything in between, but he wants us to communicate that with him. Not just kind of thinking, well, God, you know already. Yes, he does, but he wants you to communicate. It's a relationship thing, Zoe. That's what it is. It's about, if Christine and I never talked to each other, our marriage would have been over 36 years ago. Or 37. (laughs) Move on. You know, in my own experience, I I agree with preacher and author Philip Brooks, um, who says that nothing lies. In fact, it'll come up here. Listen to this, church. Let's read it out together. Nothing lies beyond the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. So God hears your puny little prayers. He hears all of those things. They are important to him. If it's important to you, they're important to him. Please understand that, church. By the way, coming back to that point that I made before about um, about in Matthew if you, even though you are evil, want to give good gifts to your children, what that actually means is that all of us are sinners. That's what it's saying. It's not saying that we are evil people in that sense. It actually means we are all sinners. So we are all in the same boat in that, in that regard. Full disclosure time. Some of you might have noticed this, but I have this racehorse temperament. I have this kind of racehorse personality I want to get from the beginning to the end, and I want to get there quickly. And never mind what happens in the middle. That's kind of the way that God wired me. And with a racehorse temperament, I actually knew more about prayer than ever doing anything about it. I knew a lot about it, Tori. I knew the theology, but I didn't do a lot about it. In fact, on, when it came to prayer, God and I were rather casually related, you could say. So I would go to him and I'd ask or pray when things were really going badly. And when things were going well, well, just get on with life. Just carry on. We didn't get together and talk very much. And then one day God interrupted my busy schedule. And he told me that if I wanted him to be fully involved and fully engaged in my life, then prayer was the language of heaven. It was prayer that got his attention. And I understood for the first time. And I took his advice, and since then, it has changed my life dramatically, Brenda. Absolutely dramatically. Here's an illustration. Back in 2001, Christine and I left here uh, to pastor our first church um, uh, up in Wellington. And this church was, was, honestly, if you were to measure every metric across church life, um, this church was struggling. Everything about the place, it was in a real mess. And I remember, uh, for the first six months, um, I thought it was my job to change everything. Anyone can identify with that? I thought it was my job. So I'm going around and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and, and all this energy being spent and time and energy and resources, tra-la-la, and, and not a lot changed. Robert, not a lot. Till one day I realized that it wasn't my job to build God's church. It was simply my job to lead it. So Paul, get on with leading it and let God do the building. 
And when I got that revelation and I understood the truth of that, I started leading the people and going in the direction we were supposed to go in rather than doing all the other stuff, and God did the rest. And from that point, the church began to turn around. It actually took off. I saw God do a miracle. Christine and I saw God do a miracle, and all of it was because I started to pray rather than started to do. And there was a healthy balance between the two. I started to seek God about his church. I started to ask him, what should we do here, Lord? I think we should do this. What do you think? And God started to talk to me, and I began to get revelation. I began to get understanding. And there were certain things in church like back there. There were certain things that when I stopped and spent time with God asking him what he thought about it, all of a sudden it, became, it made sense. Do something about that there, Paul. Do this and do that. And I started, my approach to the whole church was completely different. And all of it came out of that attitude and that discipline of first taking it to the Lord in prayer. Just ask him. I mean, at the end of the day, whose church is it? Yours? Is it mine? No, it's his. In the first instance, it's his church. My job is just to steward it. That's your job, just to steward it. But even with all of that, You know what the greatest outcome I've experienced? Even with all of that, hasn't been the incredible miracles that Christine and I have seen God do in the last 21 years. And they have been extraordinary. You know what the greatest thrill has been? Has been the quality of my relationship with him. That's what's changed. You know, at the end of the day, church, God is interested in you before anything else. He's interested in who you are, not necessarily what you can do. That's important, but that does not come first. God's interested in you. Everyone say me. He's interested in you. That's the beginning. That's the foundation. Everything else comes out of that. The goodness of um, um, the giftings that God has given me, good, bad, or otherwise, the blessings that God has given, has poured into my life over the years, all of that has come out of first my relationship with Him. It's so important, church, that we understand this truth. Prayer is a big deal. God wants to talk with you. And it's not talking at God. It's talking with God and to God, not at God. It's not about a list of demands of all of the things that you think that you need. He already knows that. It's about building relationship with him. It's talking with him and to him, not talking at him. And if you think, church, that prayer is only for weak Christians, do you know that Jesus had to pray too? Even Jesus, as the Son of God, prayed. In fact, it says in, in Mark, very early in the morning, Jesus got up and he prayed. Even he had to do it. And he was the Son of God. So here's a question for you. Do you want to know God better? Hello? 
Do you want to know God better? And I'm sure that you all do. Well, here's how you do that. Spend time with him. Spend time with him in prayer, in conversation. Have a talk with him. In the morning when you get up, say, morning, God. Awesome. What are we going to do today? I'm off to school today. What's going to happen today, God? Guide me through this day. I'm off to work. Guide me through this day, God. Start a conversation. You don't have to get on your knees. You can if you want. There's nothing wrong with that. But you don't have to. You know, I, I remember um, when we were having babies. And, um, and, uh, and sometimes when you've got little children, um, um, you, you, kids take all of, all of your focus. And so some of our, my arrow prayers would be when I was in the shower. <laughs> that was my me time, you know, God, what are we going to do with this situation? Because I knew when I got out of the bathroom that Joseph or Jessica or Scott, they're they right at me, you know, to wanting my attention. You just kind of kind of fit it in. If you're in the kitchen um, peeling the potatoes for dinner and just, uh, God, um, just talk with God. Just have a conversation with him. He's interested in your life and what it is that you're doing. So here's the first point, just a couple of points that I want to talk about when it comes to prayer. Firstly, God welcomes our prayers and he loves to respond. Would this statement be true? Most of us, if not all parents, we love our children. Would that be true? Yep, everyone would say that, I hope. Well, that's how God feels about you. Listen to verse 11. If you then, though you are evil, evil is a reference, as I said before, to our sinful nature. God is not condemning us there and saying, you are evil. That's not what he's saying. He's simply saying, we all have a sinful nature. That's what that means. So don't be offended. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. And by the way, he's talking about when you go into the Greek language, he's talking to here material gifts, specifically. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, just prior to this, Jesus had given the disciples the model prayer. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And you know how it goes, don't you? Our Father, who art in heaven, and hallowed be your name, and it goes on and on. And, it then, and he then goes on to reassure them that God welcomes persistent and continuous conversation or prayer. Look at the verbs recorded in the model prayer. It start, they start with ask, seek, and knock. And they are all in the sense of keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. You know, sometimes if, I'm, if there's, a, there's a big deal going on for us, which we have in the, in the last few weeks being down here, stuff that's not kind of working out the way we thought it should, we, isn't this right, darling? We have had to go before God and keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking. And sometimes my, you know, metaphorically speaking, my knuckles are sore. But boy, have we seen some answers to prayer, not in Paul Edlund's timing, but in his timing. Can you identify with this? You see, it's in the continuous sense. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Somewhere in the New Testament, the, in the gospel, talks about the, 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 um, the widow going before the unjust judge, consistently asking, God, this is the issue for me. And she kept on going back. The first few times she did it, he, he turned her away. There is a metaphor here. It's an illustration. He turned her away. But she was what? 
persistent. She kept going back. And if you read the scripture, at some point he thought, man, oh man, I'm going to honor that persistence. And he answered her prayer. Well, it's that kind of persistence. And it's, this is not persistence in the sense that I've got to beg God. You do not have to beg God for anything. Say amen. amen. You do not have to beg God for a thing. God is not some cosmic meanie up there in space with a baseball bat wanting to hit you over the head every time you do something wrong. He's not some cosmic disciplinarian in that sense. God wants to give good gifts to his children. He's a loving father, just like you are loving parents. And that's how he sees you. I had to get my head around that church. I really did back in the day and understand that in God's eyes, you know, I'm pretty cool. So are you. In God's eyes, I'm really important to him. Hello? Some of you need to hear that this morning. As far as God is concerned, listen to this. You are awesome. Malcolm, you're pretty awesome, mate. Great playing this morning, by the way. Very good. You see, we serve a good God. He's not a meanie. He's not a God that withholds to hurt us in some way. He may withhold at some point because he sees the bigger picture. We don't yet see it. And there'll be a reason why God will hold back but he doesn't hold back to hurt us or to harm us. That's not how God operates. Are you catching this, church? Are you getting it in your spirit? Not in your head, but in your heart. We serve a good and a faithful God. I heard this story one day um, about a lady who was surprised that God answered her prayer. She said this, I'll quote, she said, I distinctly remember feeling God must have got his wires crossed. Why would he do that for me? In fact, I felt guilty, as if I'd somehow acquired something that God didn't really want me to have. This is her sharing her testimony. Obviously, this woman did not understand the heart of God towards her. Nobody's voice sounds sweeter to him than yours does. God welcomes our prayers and he loves to respond. Here's the second point. It's only a two-point sermon. Second point to understanding prayer. Um, have you got 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10 there? Just turn over to that, please. 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. Uh, are any of you familiar with the prayer of Jabez? Please put your hand up if you are. Yeah, quite a lot of you, the prayer of Jabez. Someone wrote a book about it, actually. Uh, I think there's a, there's a video series or something about it, too. If you read through the book of um, Chronicles, um, you get all of this. It's, it's just full of information because it's in chronological order. It's about it's his, history, Tory. If you read through Chronicles 1, you get all of this stuff about people and genealogies and all that kind of stuff. Then all of a sudden, you come to uh, chapter 4, Verse 9 and 10, these two verses are kind of like a bit of a, uh, an, an interlude to everything else that's going on. And, 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 and here, I'll read them in a second. And after verse 10, it goes back to just all this other stuff. But obviously, God put it in there for a reason. Listen to this. This is about Jabez. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, 
I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from evil or harm, so that I will be free from pain. And God granted him what he requested. So that's this kind of little interlude in between everything else that's going on in 1 Chronicles. Here's my second point. Second point to understanding prayer. That prayer is the doorway to receiving God's favor. In the Bible, the meaning of a person's name was very significant. Uh, famous biblical people uh, like um, Adam, Cain, Ruth, Deborah, Abraham, Isaac, and, his, and Jacob and his 12 sons. All of their names told a story about who they were and about their future. So names were really, really significant. Have you ever looked up, by the way, your name, Googled your name and what it means? Yeah, what is, can you remember what yours, yours means? Enth absolutely enthusiastic. That, would that be true about Brenda? Has anyone else looked up their name, the original? Yeah? Be a Christian. Yep, yep. Anyone else? Yeah, Don? World rule, is that what it means? Yeah, is, is that true? I'll ask Heather, she'll tell me. Anyone else check their name out? Robert means what? Bright flame. Isn't that true about this guy? Let me tell you one name in the Bible that I avoid like the plague, it's true meaning, and it's the name Paul, because it means small. So I just go past that one and I get on with it. It's true, that's what it means. Not very happy about that one. God made a mistake right there. <laughs> Prayer is the doorway to receiving God's power. So names are really, really important. Um, uh, by the way, just one thing. There's a website called um, uh, thenewparentsguide.com, listing every name and its meaning. So you might want to write that down. Thenewparentsname.com, uh, one word, um, and you'll find... Anyway, Jabez means, back to the text, Jabez literally means in the Hebrew, he will cause pain. That's a definite article. Not he might, but he will cause pain. So this man was cursed from the day that he was born because he was given a name that literally meant that he would cause pain. Please note, this was not something that Jabez chose. Did you get that? Yeah. It was something that was imposed upon him, in his case, by his mother from birth. And the implication was that Jabez would be a pain to everyone around him for the rest of his natural life. Imagine having that over your life. Now, you would think that with that kind of start, that his future was not going to be bright. You'd think that, wouldn't you? And actually, you'd be right. You'd be absolutely right. But watch what happens next. Even though Jabez was given a name that means he will cause pain, Jabez, listen, church, some of you need to hear this this morning, Jabez 
chose not to be a pain, but to be a blessing. He chose. His mother didn't change his name. His friends and his family didn't change his name. He took responsibility for his own future, and he chose not to be a pain, but to be a blessing. Listen to verse 10. And Jabez cried out to who? To God. You see, we need to be people that talk to God. We need to be people that pray. There is no, his mother couldn't change the situation. His father couldn't change it. His family, his tribe couldn't change it. Only God could change that. See, this wasn't an outward thing. This was an inward thing. This is a spirit thing. And he chose, took responsibility for the curse that had been put on him and said, no more. That's as far as you go. I choose this and not that. Someone, you're getting this this morning? This is so important. Listen to verse 10. Jabez cried out to God, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me to keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. There are two things going on here, church. Jabez determined that what others had imposed upon his life. Hello, most of you out there. What someone else had imposed upon his life, not what he chose to do. It happened for him right from the day he was born. I mean, he couldn't even talk, just cry. He didn't even understand. He could just hear. Someone put that on his life. And Jabez chose that what was imposed upon his life, that he was not going to accept it. Hallelujah. He was not going to accept it. Some of you need to hear this again. I have no doubt that every one of us in this church, including myself, has been harmed and hurt by somebody at some point. Yeah? That would be true. Often with words. Often with words. Here's the word of the Lord for you this morning. Do not accept it. Do not accept it. If it's not true, reject it. But for Jabez, it was more than that. Not only was he not going to accept it, he was also going to put a stop to it. His mother didn't change the trajectory of his life. He wasn't going to blame anybody else. He decided that he would take responsibility for his own life, his own future, and chose to be a blessing and not a pain. Isn't that wonderful? What a turnaround. What an absolute turnaround. So here's the question. How did Jabez do this? Through one word, by prayer. There it is. He did it by prayer. He cried out, oh, that you would bless me indeed, God, and enlarge my territory, and that your hand would be with me to keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Here's the thing. Jabez knew that he couldn't do it by himself. 
and neither can you. He knew he was going to have, going to, going to get some help. He would need some help. And he turned to God and he cried out to God and he prayed. And through prayer, and only through prayer. And remember what I said earlier on, prayer is simply talking to God. It's simply having a conversation. If you don't talk to God often, can I encourage you this morning, please start having a conversation with God. Start talking with him. He did it simply by prayer. And it changed his whole life. And you know what? If you read the rest of the story about Jabez, not only did it change his life, but it changed the life of the generations yet to come. It was a generational transfer thing. You see, he said, I have been cursed from the day I was born. I do not accept that. That's not what I want. I choose this instead of that. And as a result of him making that decision, his children and his children's children received the same blessing. Now, they had to make their own choices as they grew up, as we all do. But from their, grand, their father and their grandfather, they were given a blessing, not a curse. Isn't that awesome? All because of a decision that Jabez made not to accept his past and to enter into a new future. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, and that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I would not cause pain. And God's response, the second half of verse 10. Listen to the response. That can be you this morning. That could be you. You're all very quiet. You're thinking about it. Is it kind of you're thinking to yourself, do I want to be a blessing or a curse? Is that what you're thinking? Oh, I need one of these. Well, you get to choose. You get to choose. I get to choose. We all get to choose. Verse 10b. So God granted him what he requested. He didn't do it through drugs. He didn't do it through alcohol. He didn't do it through hypnosis, counseling, wishful thinking, positive thinking, or without thinking. He did it through this one word, the power of prayer. And we can do the same too. This morning, you can change, literally change the trajectory of your life if, you're, if your life is not looking great, if you're not looking forward to the future, you can change the trajectory of your life this morning through prayer. That's the basis. That's the foundation. How God works that out, that's between you and him. But it always starts with prayer. It always starts with a conversation with God. Take it to him. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Final point, God releases, uh, prayer releases God's power. You know, there's a wonderful story in the Old Testament that um, it kind of persuades me more than ever 
that prayer summons divine involvement. In Exodus 17, um, uh, verses 8, I think, 8, 8 to 13. Um, here, let me, let me just read it, set the scene for you. Um, Moses, it, it's when the Israelites were fighting, um, fighting the Philistines. Moses is faced with a crisis. An enemy, enemy, uh, an enemy army has just arrived intent on wiping out the whole of Israel. Moses calls Joshua, the commander of the army, he says, Joshua, pop on up to my tent. We're going to have a strategy session. We're going to talk about military um, strategy and how we're going to defeat the enemy that's coming uh, at, at us. After some discussion, Moses says, okay, that's enough talk. I'll tell you what we're going to do. This is Moses. Joshua, tomorrow you take the best fighting men and you go down and meet them in the valley, uh, the enemy in the valley, and over, that, over there, and you go and you fight. You do everything that you've been trained to do with your shields and your spears and, um, and your weaponry and the courage that you have. You go down there and you take the enemy on head on. As for me, I'm going to go and stand on that hill over there and I'm going to pray. This is Moses. So, Joshua says, yes, sir, and away he goes. Moses goes up, stands on the hill, and he's looking down at the whole scene. So you've got the enemy army coming at the Israelite army, and it's a battle, it's it's a war. They're fighting. And he's got his arms held heavenward, and he's praying for victory, and he's praying for courage for his men, for Joshua and his men. And he's, he's praying for divine enablement and all of those kinds of things. And as his hands are raised, the enemy is getting defeated right before his eyes. But you know what? Moses is just like you and I. He gets tired. So his hands begin to droop. Have you ever tried to hold up a heavy weight for any length of time? How long do you last? Yeah, it depends on the weight. That's right. A, a ton. <laughs> yeah. So his, his, his arms begin to drop down. As his arms are dropping down, the tide of battle shifts. The enemy starts to win, and Israel begins to lose. So up go his arms again, and they get really, really tight. He has a couple of helpers alongside him as well, and here's the point. Sometimes when the battle's really, really intense when you're praying, Sometimes you need other people alongside you. You see, we can't do all of this on our own, can we? We need other people in our lives. We need other people praying for us. We're so grateful for you as a church, the way that you prayed for us about the whole house deal, which I'm not going to go into any details. But thank you, thank you, thank you for the prayers that you prayed on our behalf. We got the victory in the end. And I know that was because... People were praying. It really is that simple. So what happens? So Moses, arms are up and down. Every time they go up in the air, they begin to win. He gets tired. The arms come down. Um, the, 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 the enemy begins um, to prevail. And then this awesome truth dawns on Moses. Moses discovered that day that God's prevailing power is released through one simple word, prayer. You know, when I began praying in earnest, I discovered exactly the same thing. It all boils down to this. If you're willing to invite God to get involved in your daily life, just the day-to-day normal stuff, some people even pray for parking spaces. Are you one of those people? My wife does. She... It works for her. <laughs> it doesn't usually work for me. It works for her. If you're willing 
To invite God to be involved in your daily life, you will experience his prevailing power in your home, in your relationships, at school, at work, in the church, wherever it is most needed. You know, for me, I don't look so much at the troubles that come my way, the challenges that come my way, because we're told, the Bible tells us, um, uh, uh, John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that you may be, have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. We will have challenges in this world. But take heart, I've overcome the world. What I've looked for when, when stuff comes at us, I don't so much look at the issue, although I'm aware of it, I look at the timing of the issue. You see, one of the, one of the, one of the weapons of the enemy, because stuff comes at us in life, it's just normal for that to happen. Challenges and we get sick, that, there'll be one challenge, or we've got children that, are, that, are, that can be a challenge, or the other way around, or we've got bills and we've got the, the loss of a job or something like that. That's just normal life's rhythm, isn't it? Jesus said, in this world, you will have those kinds of challenges. You will have those kinds of troubles. But take heart, I've overcome those things. So I look more, not at the issue, but I look at the timing of the issue. Because one of the strategies of the enemy is to put you off your stride, to knock you off your horse. He knows what you can do. He knows the power that you have in you through prayer. And he will want to distract you with the issue when, when instead when the issue comes, because it will, go into prayer. Look at the timing of it and take it to God. Um... Here's a real simple one. This is very, very simple. It might seem trivial to you, but to Christine and I, it was a big deal, well, particularly to her. When we um, bought this house that we just moved into, the previous owner uh, got his gas bottles, you know, those big 45-kilogram gas, um, yeah, those big gas bottles. And, um, and they'd, they'd, she'd closed the account and they'd taken these, these gas bottles away. And so we, we thought, oh, we'll go back to the supplier, because that kind of makes sense, same house, just a different name, and say, well, can, can we have a contract with you and bring the bottles back so we've got some hot water? It's always cold showers in the wintertime is not a good thing. It's not helpful. And um, so anyway, uh, she goes, Christine rang up the supplier, and they said, oh, we're really sorry, there's been a change of, um, uh, a change of uh, the rules or guidelines or some jolly thing like that. Um, we can no longer deliver gas bottles to your house. And Christian said, well, why not? It was there because there's no gate to get down the back of the side of the house. You have to go through the garage. And the law says now, health and safety, that if we carry those gas bottles through, through the garage, if something were to go wrong, well, it'll blow, maybe it was that house that, got, that blew up up in Northwood or whatever it was. So all the rules changed. So here we are, we just bought this house, looking forward to getting into it and having a hot shower, that'd be good. And, and all of a sudden we can't get gas bottles. Now you might think that is really, really simple. But to us it was a big deal. Um, so Christine's on the phone pretty much most of the day. Would that be true? A lot of the day, ringing up other suppliers and all the rest of it, and she went to two or three different... Well, you should be telling the story, actually. Do you want to come up and tell the story? Okay, okay. And, and she's doing all of this stuff, and I mean, I remember I rang her at some point in the afternoon, and she was really frustrated about the whole thing. And, um, and I said, well, I can't help you. I'm too busy here, and hung up on her and carried on. 
I didn't quite do it like that. And, um, um, and when I got home, um, she said, got it sorted. I said, well, tell me what happened. After that conversation on the phone with me, she, she stopped and said to herself, why don't I just pray? Why don't I just take this to God? And she did. Dialed another number, the very next number that you dialed, would that be true? Another company, yep, another company. And the lady on the end of the phone said, oh, that must be awful for you. Hold on a minute. My manager's here at the moment. She's having this conversation with her manager on the phone about getting, next day the gas bottles arrive. Now, now I, I, I know that to you, that, that's just, well, so what, Paul? You know, third, first world problems. But with everything that was going on for us that particular day, that was a big deal. That really was a big deal. And it all changed because she had the wisdom to stop and take it to God. That's the point. You see, God's interested even in gas bottles. He really is. We're coming to the end. We're getting there quicker. Zoe, could you please bring the team up? See, God never, retire, never tires of our prayers. He has unlimited capacity to help. You know, when you call to God, you never get a heavenly answer phone that says, due to an unusually high demand, I'm unable to take your message this time, please leave a note. I'll call you back later. The Bible says things like this, Psalms 91.15. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Proverbs 10.24, the desires of the righteous will be granted. Proverbs 15.8, the prayer of the upright is his delight. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. Jeremiah 33.3. How about this one, John 15.7. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask what you will. And it will be done for you, John 15.7. Understand this, church. When your prayer life stops, your relationship with God suffers hugely. That's why Jesus warned his disciples, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. And when you pray according to his will, and that is a key there too, God is not some kind of just, you know, I want a, um, I want a new car. I want a six-bedroom house. Thanks, thanks, God. That's what I want. Now, it's not like that. God is a good God. He knows what we need. When you go before him with those needs, not your wants. You know, if, if, if God answered all my wants, yeah, absolutely. You can all put your name in there, can't you? But we've seen him answer our needs time and time and time again. You know, you might say, but Paul, my life's crazy. I'm too busy to pray. I say this to you, if that's the case, you're too busy not to pray. You know, without God's guidance, church, I think we're left to the mercy of our own best thinking and if that's you, if you're a believer, 
and you heartily pray, here's my question to you. How's that working out for you? God doesn't want you traveling blindly into the future, hoping for the best. Because his promise here in his word in Matthew 7, verse 11, how much more will your Father in heaven good give, good, give good gifts to those who ask him? Isn't that a beautiful promise? He's interested in your past, your present. He's interested in your future, your children, your job, your relationships, your possessions, gas bottles included, everything. God is interested in it all. And here's the principle. should come up on the screen. The next one. That's the principle. When we pray, we put God in the center of the issue. See, bigger God, smaller problems. When we pray, something happens in the spirit realm because it's usually in the spirit realm that we are being attacked. It's usually in the spirit realm that things are being held up or we're being distracted. But when we pray, we bring God back into the center. We put him in charge. And then things start to change. Yeah? Please stand.